I'm Don Test, better known as the Don of Beer. And I'm M. Sauter, better known as Pints and Panels. Welcome to the 15th episode of the All About Beer podcast. Every two weeks, we talk with leading experts and take a deep dive into one topic in beer. Visit allaboutbeer.com and follow us on social media at allaboutbeer. And if you want to toss, off a, toss us a few bucks, visit patreon.com slash allaboutbeer to support this show and others. This week on the show, we're going to talk about beer and food pairing. Our guest is the legendary Garrett Oliver, who is the brewmaster of Brooklyn Brewing, but more importantly, wrote probably the most popular book about beer and food pairing, The Brewmaster's Table. So M, do you like beer and do you like food? Yes and yes. <laughs> uh, I really enjoy contrasting flavors in beer and food, how a juicy IPA works really well with salty foods like a taco. I'm a sucker for that salty sweet flavor sensation, and I think beer is really perfect for that. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I think of beer as food, and so the same way a steak might taste better with mashed potatoes or ice cream might taste better with chocolate syrup, then sometimes I think uh, food tastes better when it's paired with the right beer or beer can taste better when it's paired with the right food. Totally agree. You want that perfect bite. And since beer encompasses so many different flavors, it's really easy to get that when you pair beer with food. Yeah. Uh, and we have the the expert on it. That we're Oh, yeah. We, this is going to be really good. <laughs> yes. Uh, we'll introduce our guest and get into a conversation. But first, if you'd like to help support the All About Beer podcast, please reach out to podcast at allaboutbeer.com. Attention all managers and team leaders. Do you want to provide your staff with the best training in the beer industry? Look no further than Beer Savvy Online by the Cicerone Certification Program. In just a few hours, your team will master the fundamentals of excellent beer service, styles, and beer flavor. At the end of the course, your team can earn a globally recognized beer industry credential. And the best part, as a manager, you can monitor your team's learning progress. Set your business apart with a beer-savvy staff today. To learn more, visit Cicerone.org and click on the group training button. And if you'd like to learn more about how you can get your company or message featured on this show and others produced by All About Beer, please reach out to podcast at allaboutbeer.com. Thanks again to Cicerone for sponsoring this episode. Garrett Oliver is the brewmaster of The Brooklyn Brewery, the author of The Brewmaster's Table, and the editor-in-chief of the Oxford Companion to Beer. He has been brewing craft beer since 1989 and is a veteran of over 1,000 beer dinners and tastings in 16 countries. An original board member of Slow Food USA, he later went on to become a counselor of Slow Food International. In 2014, Garrett was the recipient of the James Beard Award as the country's top drinks professional. In 2020, he founded the Michael James Jackson Foundation for Brewing and Distilling, a 501c3 grant-making nonprofit organization that funds scholarships for technical education in the brewing and distilling fields for people of color. In 2022, Garrett was enthroned by the Knights of the Brewer's Fork in Belgium, descendants of the Ancient Brewer's Guild. Welcome to the show, Garrett. Good to be here. Um, so I guess, first off, let's start with basics. Can you provide some basic concepts for how beer lovers can enjoy beer better by pairing it with food or vice versa, making food better by pairing it with beer? Well, I think the first thing I would say is that, uh, you know, it is, it's not a science and you have to keep in, in mind that the most important part of it is having a good time, <laughs> which means that, uh, you know, if you construct too many theories about it, you know, et cetera, you know, you're not necessarily going to have as good time as you would otherwise. But, you know, there are definitely some principles that you want to think about. And some of them are the first ones are relatively obvious. So the first thing is that you want to balance what I call the intensity of the food with the intensity of the dish. Right. So if you have something that's relatively uh, uh, mild in flavor, say it's like butter poached lobster or turbo or something like that, a white flaky fish with, with, a, with a sauce that's not spicy. Well, you're probably not going to come at that with a really intense IPA because you're just going to wipe it out, right? Mm. So, you know, the idea is that, okay, I'm now for a dish like that, looking for something relatively subtle. And then within that, well, now what am I looking for? So you might decide, okay, well, what is our, what is our seasoning? Is our se seasoning lemon? In which case you might say, okay, um, you know, a 
gently sour beer could work here and have the acidities paired together. Or you could look from a different direction and say the orange peel uh, in a wit beer is going to pick up well. Um, and that's going to be a, a winning combination, plus a little edge of acidity from, uh, from the raw wheat. And in a way, I kind of have a feeling, even though I don't write music, uh, but I used to be a filmmaker, and I could kind of see scenes in my head. And I think that people who write music can hear music in their head before they write it in a certain way. And similarly, I, I would say that I can like mentally taste combinations. I put them next to each other and see whether I can, you know, get them to seem like they're going to fit together. Okay. Okay. I like that. Yeah. Um, so, so then... I mean, the, the good thing about it is that it's actually, it's kind of a creative exercise. And uh, there are sometimes surprises. Most of the surprises uh, that I've found are, you know, 95% of them are positive surprises, things that I didn't think would work, but actually mm -hmm. turned out working. Like, like what? Yeah. I got to know. <laughs> oh, man. You know, so, many, so many, really. Um, the, What's your favorite? My, my favorite is probably uh, black chocolate stout and Stilton. Oh, um, so Imperial Stout and Stilton. And so what happened was I was doing a demonstration and I was saying, okay, we're going to either serve our barley wine with Stilton or we're going to do chocolate truffles with black chocolate stout. People got the, the messages mixed up and I ended up with black chocolate stout and Stilton. And I had to go on stage like in 10 minutes when I found this out, you know, the, <laughs> the who was doing the oyster presentation was finishing up. And I look at my supplies here and I've got black chocolate stout and Stilton. And I say, oh my God, I'm in trouble. This is horrible. What am I going to do? And then I tasted the two of them together and it was like, ta-da. It was, it was <laughs> like, it, it, and all the years I had been eating Stilton, I never really realized that it has this huge chocolate flavor in the center. Really? What? Yeah. Okay. And there, there are all these things that you don't think about. I mean, if you read about them, you might see them. I mean, you hear people refer to fudgy or something like that for Stilton sometimes, but the, 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 the Imperial Stout just brought this huge chocolate thing out of the center and the beer was twice as good with the cheese and the cheese was twice as good with the beer. And I just walked out there smoothly and said, ladies and gentlemen, I have a brand new sensation for you. you know? <laughs> I, got, I am a genius. Look at what yeah, I yeah, I'm a, I'm a genius. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but there are you know there are things uh that you learn from being in competition with other you know with with sommeliers who are bringing wine uh i never really realized for a long time that one of the biggest aromatics in parmigiano reggiano cheese is pineapple i mean and uh you know and a barley wine at a certain age tends to have a very similar quality to it and these all have you know, have chemical names attached to them. So in this case, you know, ethyl butyrate, but you kind of look at these things and they show up in different places in nature and you can kind of link them together uh, on the palate. So they tend to, and some of, some of these things are obvious. Like if you have a, a, a caramelized flavor in a beer, say, you know, in, in my case, if I'm doing something, it might be Brooklyn lager, or it might be uh, a Belgian double, or it might be um, a uh, 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 you know some sort of uh, caramelized or you know or or, or dark German lager, Schwarz beer or something. Um, if you put that together with a steak, or even a pizza, or a burger, or whatever else, so many flavors in food are based around flavors of heat, roasting, caramelizing. Mm -hmm toasting so when you put those flavors together they kind of recognize each other and tend to link together on your palate you know in a really different way than say a wine would approach where the wine is doing all contrast beer can do co contrast and harmony at the same time which is what gives it special powers uh in comparison to wine most of the time okay um can i rewind a bit there you may um do you have any? It sounded I, I to me talk about I talk about beer for three hours. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll try to I'll, I'll try to chop it into smaller chunks. <laughs> um, I think that I, I I found 
I'm not articulating myself very well. Um, I think a lot of people, when they think of beer and food pairings, they think of like the primary flavor of the food and the primary flavor of the beer and try and match them. But when you're talking about the Stilton and the and the Imperial Stout and the Parmesan and and the pineapple, it's almost like those are those are kind of I would say secondary or more subtle notes of those foods. So do you find beer and food pairing better when we think about secondary flavors or primary flavors? And how would you suggest people tease out secondary flavors for pairing? Well, the primary flavors have to stand up first. So, and that, and that comes with that whole idea of one thing, not overwhelming the other, but one thing you find out, and sometimes I have found out in competition to my frustration is that, you know, uh, a salty, you know, a, a, a salty thing, say cheese, with a sugary, a sugary thing, people just, even if you have a better pairing, people love it. That's my they favorite. I'm sorry. That's my favorite. Like, I mean, like, it, I love it. Just, like, you just can't, you can't win. Even if I have a great pairing, pairing, say I have Stilton, and the other guy comes with a port or you know, uh, a, a sweet white wine, it doesn't even have to be a great pairing. It's just the salt and the sugar. And it's like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. People just go nuts. And I'm saying like, well, look at the beauty of how this thing came together. What they don't care, right? It's like, it's not, <laughs> like so if, if you're doing competition and sometimes I am, I have to come with something sweet. Um, now I can do sweet and caramelized. I can do sweet, like, you know, a lot of uh, barrel-aged American uh, imperial stouts, not mine, but other people's, uh, are very sugar-heavy. So mm. if you came with Bourbon County Stout, for example, you know, which has like 10% residual sugar, you know, you're going to blow the wine out of the water. But if you come with something relatively dry, even if you do have a great pairing, you know, so those are things that are primary, like salt versus sugar, everybody likes it, you know. Acid, you would think that acid plus acid is not going to work, but actually, if you're thinking of acid plus bitterness or acid plus acid, acid works together really well hmm. um, uh, and does not tend to be something where like you build up too much acidity. Rather, you know, you find a harmony that you might not find with a bitter beer. Um, and so I tend to think with, uh, with things that have a lot of acid to them you know, that acidity can work. Um, also, when you have, you often have acidity show up in foods alongside sugar and a great, you know, to, to balance it out, barbecue sauce, ketchup. I mean, those are things that are extremely acidic and extremely sweet at the same time. Right. Right. So you, you, can, you can actually go either way with those. You can pair uh, you know, your classic American barbecue sauce or honey mustard or whatever else with a sour beer, or you can come with something, you know, that is, uh, is sweeter as well, uh, from a different direction. Uh, but you're not recommending that we put ketchup in our beer. No, I know, I sometimes, okay. Flanders, sometimes <laughs> Flanders red has that nice ketchup note actually. So you kind of, it's there. I don't know. Yeah, that's, absolutely. Yeah. That's yeah. the, that, that's the, that's the acetic acid. And so the acetic acid, there's vinegar, you know, in ketchup and those, uh, those volatile acidity, acetic notes are definitely part of that Flanders style. So I would say absolutely. Um, for a long time, I found it very difficult to find a pairing for just straight up tomatoes, like marinara sauce with no cheese was just really, really difficult. Also difficult for wine. Uh, because the tomatoes have a lot of acidity and a lot of sugar and mm. can be difficult to pair. And uh, one beer, Late and Lamented, that we don't make anymore, at least not in the United States, we found to be a wonderful pairing, and that was Sriracha Ace. You know, something about the uh, Sriracha Ace hop and its weird lemon dill-like flavor, that herbal quality, ah. you know, mm. almost basil-like, uh, just worked its way somehow right into you know the uh, uh you know the red tomato sauce and it turned out to be a great pairing which you know i used for many years so that sounds like sugar, another sugar <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so that sounds like another 
tip I guess people can use for beer and food pairing at home is that if they think about foods that work together, like you were saying, dill and tomato, then you find a beer substitute for one of those. In this case, you were saying sriracha ace as a substitute for the dill would pair well with the tomato the way dill and tomato pair. Yeah. 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 And caramelization is one of the really the main ones. Not that you can't, I mean, think about a steak. Okay. We think about a steak. It's like, you want to have the best cut of steak. Uh, you know, you want to you know, cook it properly, say, till it's medium rare. But a lot of people don't realize that, okay, you really do want to have a nice steak, but the cooking method is much more important than the steak itself. You would rather have a, a, a kind of a chuck steak cooked well with a beautiful crust uh, and perfectly medium rare and salted properly than you would a really beautiful porterhouse dry aged boiled. Right. And they can both, they could, they can ugh. both be, they'll both, yeah, you're saying, ugh, right, grainy. Yeah. But, but, but you could, both could be medium rare. Right. It wouldn't matter. The thing that matters is salt and caramelization. And then the steak flavor really comes, you know, I mean, the fat comes second. So you gotta, you gotta get that part right first. Seasoning is super important. And that's one reason why I'll ask chefs when I have to pair something in advance, it's like, okay, you say chilies, how much chilies? Like what kind of, you know, what kind of scale are we working with? A prickle in the background or some heat heat? Um, and, and try to tease out like what is gonna be the, pro- the main primary and secondary thing going on here. Because as somebody who does a lot of uh, dinners in other countries, I have to set these things up beforehand and and fairly imagine what they're going to taste like together and you know a lot of these dishes become very complicated and uh, uh, as you would imagine they are foreign so you know that they, they may not be all familiar flavors you might have to do some research right okay um you mentioned intensity are there other sensory elements that people should be thinking about like temperature and like, for example, beer is carbonated. Do you, do you think about that as well? or? Well, I mean, carbonation is just a great boon generally to, to, you know, to pairing. It provides its own acidity in the form of carbonic acid, uh, but also kind of gives you this you know, physical scrubbing action of removing yeah. whatever it is you have on your tongue, you know, which is one reason why beer does so much better with cheese than wine does. And, you know, I always like to say there are two kinds of sommeliers, you know, that I go into competition with the ones who know they're going to lose and the ones who don't know they're going to lose. <laughs> the, the ones that don't know they're going to lose are actually so much more fun because, you know, the, the, because they're, they really try hard. <laughs> the ones who know they're going to lose in advance, they're already they're, they're already uh, apologizing and they're kind of depressed, like at the beginning of the <laughs> got talked into this because it's really it's it's it is a losing battle on their side even though you know people will tell you oh it's a beer you know a a a cheese and wine party it's like yeah not really (laughs) no nothing beats beer and cheese is is the best it's the best food combo in the whole world like i'm obsessed i love it oh absolutely Um, i call i call the the carbonation of i call it the mouth napkin Cause it like uh-huh. literally like scrubs your mouth. It's like a little napkin in your mouth. And it's like, okay, hold on. And then you're like, okay, go ahead. And like, I thought you, like, said, I thought you said mouse napkin. Like, no, a- no mouse <laughs> napkin. No, I, I refer to it as scrubbing bubbles, you know, like the, yeah. uh, like the commercial for the, mm-hmm. you know, for the detergent. Um, yeah. I mean, so scrubbing bubbles, just lift all that stuff over your palate. So you have that. But then there's kind of like what I call, uh, uh, and this is kind of a wine term that kind of bled over into beer, but you know, attack, which is what level of intensity, bitterness, acidity do you have up front that's kind of stabby and cuts straight through like really fatty stuff or mm. whatever else. And the same way in the wine world, you know, you can take a lot of wines that are otherwise really nice and have something like a cassoulet which is like a duck and bean and sausage stew and the wine will just bounce right off of that it's so heavy that the wines of the area one called mariran which is made from 
a grape called Tanat. And as you would guess from the name Tanat, it's called that because it's really, really tannic. And if you drink it by itself, it's a bit much. But when you have it with cassoulet, it's just like, boom, it goes through like a sledgehammer and clears those heavy flavors off your palate. And it's delicious, but it's a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of umami, you know, and with things that have a lot of umami, you know, you you might want to come at that with something that's going to cut through, you know, and that's the part of doing the contrast piece which beer can do with bitterness, it always does it, or almost always does it with, uh, with carbonation. Mm-hmm. And, huh. uh, and, and contrast is really, uh, you know, having the contrast and the harmony is really the key to a lot of great dessert pairings. Oh, okay. You know, where, I mean, in a dessert, they tell you as a general principle, the, the, the dessert wine needs to be at least as sweet as the dessert. Right. So they come with these dessert wines and you have a sweet dessert and you have a sweet wine. So on your palate, that's sweet and sweet and sweet and sweet and sweet. Now, you might remember when you were a kid and you would eat an ice cream cone. Do you remember what that glass of water or glass of milk after the ice cream cone was like? That was the best glass of water you ever had in your whole life or glass of milk because it wasn't sweet. You know, sweetness built up on your palate is basically a trigeminal form of pain. It's like, you know, your, your, your system is like overloaded and seized up. And that's one reason why coffee seems so great with dessert. Because you're having something that's not sweet and it's also warm. So that if you have something like chocolate that tends to like literally solidify when it hits a, a, a cold liquid, um, and then have a shield basically against uh, against hair on your palate, it works tremendously well. If you were to load up that same uh, that same coffee with sugar until it was as sweet as a dessert wine, the pairing wouldn't work anymore. Mm. Uh, so in the same way, if you have an imperial stout with say a chocolate dessert, bitterness versus sweet, that's one level of pairing. And the second level of pairing is the roast with the roast. So you've got the contrast and the harmony going at the same time and people's eyes just like roll up in their head. You know, it's, 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 it's uh, uh, it, it is a round of, of competition at dinners that I'm like guaranteed to win. There's like, nobody's ever beat me with a wine at dessert. It's almost impossible. <laughs> uh, this is amazing. Um... <laughs> Don's a real nerd, so he's really excited right now, Gary. Just so well. you know. <laughs> um, so, um, you know, I think that how do I phrase this? Um, you know, like Stilton is a pretty fancy cheese, and we talked about even Parmesan. Well, Parmesan's not that fancy, I guess. But is there a food and beer pairing that people are likely to have the ingredients at home right now with a fairly easily accessible beer that? let's say they're new to beer and food pairing that they could go to their fridge right now and do this and go, wow, really one plus one does equal three. I get it. I understand the importance of this. Well, I will point out that I have found the best still in the world, which is Colston Bassett Stilton at every single Costco in the United States that I have done pairings right. by a Costco. So, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to push back a little bit. Okay. <laughs> like, cause, cause every whole foods, every, you know, okay, we say fancy, it's true, your normal day-to-day, whatever, Pathmark supermarket or something, and I'm not giving a hard time to Pathmark, they may well have Stilton, uh, but your, your, your everyday big American supermarket may not have it, but I think that some of these cheeses are more widespread than we think. Parmigiano-Reggiano, I would actually say, is, is probably a bit more specialized than Stilton, because people have an alternative, or they think they have an alternative in you know the green can, but I digress. <laughs> Going back, uh, I would say that goat cheeses, which you can get pretty much, I mean, at a deli in New York, uh, goat cheeses almost wor- almost always work with like kettle sours. Oh, interesting. Right? Okay. Um, whether they're fruited or not, right? You have goat cheese. What are what are the main properties of goat cheese? You know, tangy, tangy, fruity, citrusy you know, yogurty, if you like. 
Now you think of those flavors and you think of, you know, whether a fruited or unfruited kettle sour. Uh, and even in your mind, it's kind of obvious, right? Like they're, mm. they're not going to clash with each other. The two acidities are going to row in, you know, pretty well. So that's kind of the, the sort of thing that you can always do. You can find an imperial stout, really, and it's almost always going to pair with ice cream, cheesecake, um, and a number of other kind of, and obviously chocolate desserts, uh, uh, you know, desserts, desserts like that. Also with a lot of fruit-based things, especially if the uh, imperial stout has residual sweetness. Uh, a lot of modern kind of hazy, juicy IPAs. Um, some of those have uh, a notable amount of residual sugar. Uh, those can be great for really, really hot dishes. So you get a, a, a Thai dish that's got some pretty aggressive spicing to it. And maybe you find, you know, your local, your local brewery is, uh, is making uh, a, a hazy IPA that has, you know, a notably, you know, sugary presence. People are adding less lactose than they were, you know, two or three years ago, but you still see that out there. And that, that's almost like a, a, a blanket to smother the fire. You know, it's a nice counterpoint to have some residual sugar there. And in the wine world, you always hear people talk about sweet Riesling, for example, with really spicy food. Beer works even better. Mm. Um, do you have any practical advice? Like, for example, we had Randy Mosher on for a prior episode, and he talked about retronasal and all that. And therefore, it's nice to hold the beer in your mouth uh, for a couple seconds. So in terms of beer and food, do you have a recommendation in terms of, you know, take a sip of beer, take a bite of food, or vice versa, or, or hold a bit of the beer in your mouth while you take a bite of food or anything like that? Uh, no disrespect to Randy, but no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's, I mean, and I think Randy would say this too. There's a difference between, you know, you know, you know drinking and tasting. Yeah, and eating and tasting are kind of two different activities. I'm not saying that, and you can do them at the same plate at different times, like taste something for right now and then just eat the rest of it. And they're kind of two different things. So I would say that, you know, I like to taste each thing by itself first before I put them together. Okay. I want to know what did the beer taste like? If I'm doing a beer dinner and I'm directing service, I always wreck like, don't, do not put, first of all, do not put the food down before the beer. The beer goes down first. And people, sometimes they don't listen <laughs> and the, the food, the food arrives at the same time. And then you kind of lose the plot of what you're doing. First, you want to see what the beer tastes like. Then you want to see what the food tastes like. Then, you know, you see what they taste like together. Okay, and, and, the, and the reason why, if you are tasting, is that how are you going to know when two plus two equals seven if you didn't have the number two and the number two for each right. of those things in the first place, right? You right. don't even know what happened. Right, right. So, yeah. No, perfect. That's exactly yeah. the, the advice I was looking for. Awesome. Yeah. Love that. <laughs> um, you did make me think of another thing, though. And um, if I have a plate of food, you know, maybe a hamburger and it's got French fries and a side of pickle. How do I think about pairing where there's multiple things going on on my plate? Well, I, I think of the thing, you know, when I think of a pickle, you know, what are the things that I, you know, think of first? Um, and it depends on the pickle, right? Some pickles are kind of sweet. Some are very sour. Some are barely sour. Um, so you, you kind of want to have some idea of like what you're talking about there, but yeah, what is, you know, how big is it? What is the primary thing? So, okay. Last night I had kimchi and I was worried, uh, because, uh, yeah, I was thinking of, I had had beer like three nights in a row. I want to have some wine. I would have paired a white wine. I didn't have any chill. And I decided to try a red wine that had some acidity. And my real worry was, was the kimchi going to be too hot? Turned out the kimchi was not that hot and the pairing was actually very good because the acid levels lined up pretty directly. Even though this was a red wine, I knew that it had uh, enough acid that it 
should work. So you kind of like think these things together. What's funny is that, you know, it, it is more often that I will taste a pairing that is great and then back up. And I'm not saying that this is something that everybody wants to do on a regular basis, but I'm going to get then say, okay, why does this work? I can't, I can't figure out why this works and, t- and try to t- basically back engineer it to, to understand why uh, particular pairings uh, work out. And I guess, you know, that's maybe a bit, a bit academic, but if you do it, when you do taste the great pairing, then you might be able to recognize the next time that you can pull something off and, and go for it. And, you know, as I've done this more and more over the years, I've learned to, I would say, stop insisting upon home runs. Okay. Because, you know, and, I, and I'm not talking about just, well, I am talking also about eating at home, right? I mean, your, your average can of beer, even if you went and got a, you know, a, a $20 four pack, each of those cans was still $5. I mean, it's not really like that big a deal. It's like a double latte at, Star- at Starbucks or something. Right. And so uh, it, it's, it's not really a big deal. And if it doesn't work out, well, you know, you could always open something else. Uh, learning something from that is always useful because if you find something, you're like, wow, that was killer. Then you've got that thing forever. Like whatever it is, if you figured it out, you got it. Yeah. And so I, I would say to people to be adventurous. And now I'm also adventurous. and I didn't used to be with audiences where I'm like, okay, I'm a bit worried about this. I could see how I think that it's probably going to work, but it might not. Let's see. And uh, that has more often than not produced much better results than I would have expected. Hmm. Often, often when the, when the, when the, the idea came from, you know, from a chef and I'll give you an example I had a dinner some years ago uh, in Norway at a place called uh, Toroma Shukan, uh, which is in Trondheim, uh, uh, two rooms in a kitchen. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I know this guy really well. He's a good pal. And, uh, you know, he himself is a great cook. He's not really in the kitchen most of the time. But anyway, I'm looking at this menu and I'm looking at what I've got. At the time, I had this really beautiful creek and I was looking to pair something with a creek. And I'm like, well, you know, maybe some venison or whatever else. Like, well, in Trondheim, we do the heat as well seafood. It's like, let's pair it up with the salmon. And I'm like, salmon and creek. Now our creek was not that sour, but it had a pretty big cherry flavor. And I simply, in my mind, I was like, I can't see salmon and cherries. No. Um, and like, this the idea of salmon and cherries. I'm like, that's disgusting. <laughs> you know, like, and I just could. And he's like, trust me, I can see the way this is going to work. I've had your beers. The salmon's wonderful. And so I went and did that dinner and I'll be damned. You know, it was awesome. But the mm. thing that I kind of realized afterwards is that when you're tasting something together, you're no longer tasting cherries per se. You're, you're tasting the combination of these things. And when you taste a uh, uh, salmon, say, and a white wine, you're not tasting salmon and grapes. <laughs> you know, right. you know, like salmon point. and grapes. You know, salmon and grapes. That sounds disgusting, right? <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> you know, who wants salmon and grapes? But in fact, when you put these things together, you know, it's it's it is that two plus two, and it's and it's not always easy to see what's going to what's going to happen. I, I, I trusted that they were well paired on their acidity levels and, you know, uh, that it was going to be seasoned right and that he was obviously going to cook it right. And, uh, and that one thing wouldn't overpower the other. I just couldn't get over the cherry idea uh, until I did. <laughs> and then a later, a great chef told me that, uh, that, uh, in, uh, that at a certain point in the springtime in Japan, uh, sour cherries and salmon is a classic pairing. Huh. Oh. Well, interesting. Uh, yeah, I'm sort of speechless right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which, which like never happens. <laughs> no, I, That's I, true. I, I would not have figured that out on my own. Um, and the thing is, when you, you know, I tell people who are planning beer dinners, I'm like, 
okay, let's let's just set some ground rules, right? All beers pretty much work with all sausages, okay? Like <laughs> that's not really a beer dinner. Okay, like we have some really great beer and some really great sausages. There are no surprises, you know, in that pairing. Yeah, sure it's gonna be good. <laughs> you know, it's much more interesting in a, if you're gonna do a beer dinner, you know, where you're showing off in some way. If you do show something that in some way uh, has a surprise. Yeah, yeah. And that, and that people are going to learn something that they can then use later. Yeah. What was the best beer dinner you ever, like, went to or, like, um, like oversaw? Like, I'm sure there's one in your mind that you're like, damn, that was top best notch. Best night of my life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're, they're really, I mean, there are dozens which is how i ended up and this was 20 years ago writing brewmaster's table that's why i was that that book was burning a hole in my pocket um but you know there are certainly pairings that uh that 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 stick in my mind uh uh in various ways that salmon and cherry dish uh you know is one example but i've literally done over a thousand beer dinners and tastings um you know and and so you know, you tend to see principles more than remembering as many individual, you know, dishes as you might like. But I mean, it's right. it's kind of endless. Uh, so I, I hate to be. Uh, <laughs> no, that's yeah. fine. No, and I loved, but I do yeah. love that you did no. remember a few pairings that, that you shared mm -hmm. with us. And I, I thought that was great. <laughs> but no, I, do, I do remember, though, speaking of salmon, uh, just like one day having a, uh, uh, you know, sitting down in Amsterdam you know, uh, you know, on one of the canals and the sun was shining and it was springtime. And I had like just this beautiful salmon dish and with lemon and a glass of wit beer. And I was like, this is the best thing I've ever eaten in my entire life. This is the best thing I've ever had in my entire life. It was just like these two things together in this place with these leaves and this water and everything else. And I was just, you know, virtually, you know, in tears, I was so happy. Um, <laughs> And you remember, it's it's more moments uh, uh, like that. This past, la wow, it's almost a year now. Uh, a year ago, um, uh, Vinny and uh, uh, Natalie Slertso from Russian River and I were in Belgium. And, uh, you know, we just happened upon this place that, well, we didn't happen upon it. We knew where it was outside of Brussels, you know, on a, you know, on a kind of canal again, beautiful day and the frogs are singing, whatever else. And that time of year, they've got the trout are running. They've got the, uh, uh, the young asparagus, white asparagus and hollandaise sauce. And, you know, we just ran through a gamut of beautiful Belgian beers. And, you know, it was just one of those uh, lunches that was just, you know, amazing. Mm. Uh, I need to get invited to some of these sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, look, I've got like on my phone right now, I've got stuff that I'm doing um, in in Norway. So you'll be the first to hear of it. Okay. And, and, you know, some of these are, are you know, are you real? Some of them I really have to think hard. Um, you know, grilled giga scallops glazed with goat butter and aged cherry vinegar sauce from preserved strawberries and brown butter almost burnt cauliflower uh puree and calyx vandachiro now i know what almost all these flavors are you know thankfully and you know i put this together you know with a uh a, basically a triple um another one is uh Dry-aged uh, duck roasted on the bone with Brussels sprouts, duck sauce infused with uh, dry herbs and white truffle. Uh, we have a beer where we have uh, infused the beer with uh, Nebbiolo pomace. And so Nebbiolo is the same as the grape that you use to make Barolo. And yeah. there's a local winery. And when they press off their wine, the skin, seeds, stems come to us and we steep beers with them. Mm. Uh, uh, wild turbo with blue uh, blue mussel mousseline sauce, grilled leek, and exo caviar, um, and that's uh, another uh, beer on uh, that we're that we're that we're doing on pomace, but that one has more acidity. And then, and well, here's one: hand and seal cognac. So hand and seal is a thirteen point five percent barley wine. 
This is the cognac aged edition, which is, uh, was never sold publicly as my personal stash. And the original version was Petit Four, Raspberry and Citrus. Now here's one where I came back and I was like, okay, I'm worried about this one. Okay, I got a, I got a barley wine that it was 2014. Uh, it is nine years old. It's in a certain, it's got some sweetness, but it's in this kind of somewhere between being young and being old kind of state. It'll have some big uh, Parmesan, pineapple kind of characteristics to it. And I'm just worried about the raspberry and citrus rather than working together, just kind of being a distraction to go in a different direction. Mm. And, in that, and in that case, I'd rather like row along with something that's going to at least be going either clearly in the same direction or something that is a little less neutral, more neutral. Because like raspberry is a really big flavor. It takes very, very little raspberry to flavor a beer, to flavor, you know, a tonic water, whatever. Um, and so we probably will end up going in a different direction on, on that one. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's kind of, now, obviously, these are really high-end dinners. This is not, you know, Tuesday night yeah. dinner at Garrett's, uh, uh, you know, by any means, you know. Uh, but they are mental exercises for sure because I have a certain number of things to work with, which I know. And then I have these dishes that I have to imagine. Um, and I think it's one of those things people ask all the time, well, do you have an extraordinary palate or... Is it practice? It's like, well, it's practice. It's like the more you do it, the more you're going to know. And the more you know, the more you understand and the easier it gets. Yeah. Um, but also the more fun you're going to have because you're going to just be able to do fun things with dinner every day based on what's at the supermarket. I mean, th that's, that's, that's kind of what it's all about. I mean, if you can go get this stuff on a regular basis, it's relatively cheap. And it makes dinner slightly better every day. Um, well, you know that that'll make your life just that little bit better. And if your life gets one percent better, a half a percent better, when was the last time you found something that's going to make your life one percent better? <laughs> you know, it, yeah. doesn't, it doesn't happen every day, so it's a pretty good thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, and look at you now. Your life sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Brewmaster Stable, twenty years yeah. old. 20 so, years. Yeah. So first of all, are you going to give us the inside tip that you're working on a second edition? Uh, 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 no, no. Oh. <laughs> I, I say, uh, you know, when I say no, I don't mean like, no, I'm not telling you, but I mean, no, I'm not going to do it. Okay. Um, and I think there's a, you know, the, uh, for me, there's like a reason for that. I think that Brewmaster's table was written at it. I'm glad that people still find it, you know, relevant People write me every day telling me, oh, I use it for my Cicerone exams. And it was, you know, tremendous resource. And I think that everything in there, those principles are true uh, and are still really useful. And I enjoy the writing when I read it. But it does sound almost like it was written by somebody that I used to know. Mm -hmm. um, you know, 20 years is a long time. And I've tasted a lot of things. I've had a lot of other thoughts. Uh, and it's not that I would contradict anything that's in there, but it would be a different book with a completely different tone. You know, at that point, 20 years ago, it was still easier for me to reach for that wide eyed, uh, walking in with no preconceptions, you know, kind of idea, which is a great place to be. Um, but you can't stay there forever. You know, you're, you, you, cha you change over time. And so I think that that book is a great book, especially for people who go in knowing absolutely nothing about beer, but would like to learn uh, because it does start from the beginning and it's very patient um, and builds your knowledge over the course of the book. And by the time you're done with it, you kind of know a lot. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, it has more of a sense of wonder about it than it is going to have after another 20 years. Now, if I wrote another edition, I think that I could write an edition which was just as good, I hope. Maybe in some ways it would be better, but it would be different. And I'm not sure it would be more useful to the reader. Uh, it would be, you know, 
it'd be interesting as an exercise for me, but for the reader, I think that it's good as it is. So, you know, I, I think I'll leave it alone. Okay. No volume two then. <laughs> no volume two planned. Okay. Em, do you want to do this lightning round? Do you think that'll yes. be fun? I think okay. we're going to, as long as Garrett's down. I got a couple, a couple more minutes. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Lightning round. We're going to suggest a, a, a food and then you just suggest a beer that, or a beer style that'll go with it. Ooh. Okay. Sound like fun? Uh, em can go first. I'll let you know in a minute. <laughs> okay. Em can go first. All right. Uh, my first food is fried chicken. Oh, fried chicken. I mean, American Amber Lager is just great with fried chicken. It's like, you know, and it's that whole thing of the caramelized, crunchy exterior, a little bit of sweetness and caramel flavor. Boom. You know, so, you know, Brooklyn Lager and fried, fried chicken are a great combination. All right. Uh, grilled cheese sandwich. Ooh, grilled cheese sandwich. I'm going to go for uh, German Dunkel. Oh, and uh, you know you've got uh, you you've you grilled the, the the out the exterior until it's starting to get nice and brown, toasty yeah. brown. You got a lot of salt in your in your in your cheese, and you come with a dunkel or a double bock, and you're going to have that malty, a little bit of residual sugar, unctuousness, and that those two things, kind of the salt and the sweet next to each other, perfect. Oh, awesome. M next up. All right, uh, mixed green salad. Uh, wit beer. Uh, oh, you didn't so, even have to think about that one. Yeah. So, <laughs> also, I would say modern saison. Often, oh. you know, where yes. you, where when I say modern, I mean like the last ten years, where you're seeing some acidity mm. and uh, uh, and wild yeast flavors blended in. As long as it's not too bitter. That can work really well because you almost always have acidity in your salad dressing. So the wit beer is working to some extent for the same reason. Yeah, it's soft, not too bitter, and you have a like a little zing of acidity uh, in there from the wheat, and tends to row in together. Um, my next one, I'm going to steal this one from him: bodega bacon, egg, and cheese. No, oh, that oh. was mine. B E C. That, that is such a funny thought because bodega bacon, egg, and cheese is a classic New York, uh, like, hangover food. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, so I've always had bacon, egg, and cheese with coffee. So I'm going to say I would have it with porter. You know, oh. because, uh, you know the, 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 the roasted character, a little bit of sweetness. I'm going to kind of go in the coffee direction. And it's going to really engage with that bacon, you know, which is... But again, salty, you know, salty flavors, roasted flavors, caramel flavors, those three things together, a little bit smoky, the bacon, porter, boom. It'll be actually great. Awesome. Um, we know that you have a, a hard uh, deadline here. So uh, if you could uh, quickly tell us where people can find you on social media and learn about things that you're doing and Brooklyn Brewing is doing, and then give us uh, as your parting thought, the the beer pairing with an ice cream sandwich. Ah, well, um, there's uh, you can find me. I, I'm not on Facebook that much these days, uh, but I'm okay. just you know Garrett Oliver on Facebook. I'm Garrett Oliver on Twitter. I Garrett Oliver is where you're going to see me the most on 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 Instagram. Okay. Uh, and a lot of my regular posts are about other stuff going on, but my stories are usually somewhere between food, drinks, art, and music. So, okay. Uh, and a food pairing with ice cream sandwich. Uh, it has to be or beer pairing. I'm sorry. It's got to be imperial style because ice cream okay. sandwich usually has like you know dark chocolate cookie thing on the outside and and vanilla ice cream on the inside. The classic and, and uh, you know roasted malts, a little bit of residual sweetness. You know can't go wrong. Awesome. Thank you very much, Garrett. Yeah, this was great, Garrett. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, great to hear from you, and uh, I look forward to uh, look forward to hear you. So, M, what did you think of that? I just want to let you know, Don, that I have Stilton in my fridge. And it's not that fiend. It's $6. It's fancy. Joe's. I You're... had it for lunch. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, I had I a little. I had a little. I had, I, no, I had a little bowl of soup. <laughs> and then I have a little Stilton with some crackers. And it's it's like the best cheese on God's green earth. Um, um And yeah, it works really well. Yeah, it works so well with. I want it now. I want to like. I know it's. 
it's it's time to have a beer. Now I want to have it with an Imperial Stout because that just sounds yes. Uh, really, well, that's I gonna, yeah. I'm not fancy like you, so I don't have Stilton in my fridge. But I'm gonna go get some just so I can do the pairing. I have to say, you know, uh, I I taste beer a lot. Obviously, so do you. I'm very. I think I'm a very um, conscientious taster, more so with beer than anything else. But I never would have. Like if you asked me to describe the taste of Stilton, I never would have said chocolate or fudge. Or if you asked me to describe the taste of Parmesan, I never would have said pineapple. And then when he says it, he's right. I just oh yeah, <laughs> it's really it's 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 really fascinating. I really liked the science when he brought science in into it. So like yes. the ethyl butyrate, that pineapple flavor. Um, I really like. That's why I think I really like the New England IPA and taco because. When you have, when you use a hop, say like Hallertau Blanc, which is that big pineapple note, and it's essentially you're adding pineapple salsa to your taco. Right. So same, similarly, you could have a pineapple flavored beer to go with pizza because everybody knows pineapple on pizza is the best pizza. Oh, okay. All right. (laughs) Um, I think, I think we're done here. Okay, well, then uh, our listeners should visit allaboutbeer.com and follow us on social media at allaboutbeer or visit patreon.com. Actually, I shouldn't say or I should say and visit us at patreon.com slash allaboutbeer to support this show and others. If you have questions for the experts, please email us at podcast at allaboutbeer.com. And that's also the email for feedback, suggestions, or to inquire about supporting this show through advertising. Speaking of advertising, here's a short word from our sponsors. Attention all managers and team leaders. Do you want to provide your staff with the best training in the beer industry? Look no further than Beer Savvy Online by the Cicerone Certification Program. In just a few hours, your team will master the fundamentals of excellent beer service, styles, and beer flavor. At the end of the course, your team can earn a globally recognized beer industry credential. And the best part, as a manager, you can monitor your team's learning progress. Set your business apart with a beer-savvy staff today. To learn more, visit Cicerone.org and click on the group training button. And if you'd like to learn more about how you can get your company or message featured on this show and others produced by All About Beer, please reach out to podcast at allaboutbeer.com. Thanks again to Cicerone for sponsoring this episode. Before we go, if you like this podcast, one easy thing you can do to help us is to give us a five-star review on your favorite podcasting app. That helps other people find the show. We would also appreciate it if you would let your beer-loving friends know about this show, and that helps us spread the word word of good beer. Em, how can people reach out to you? I am at Pints and Panels across all social media, and my website is www.pintsandpanels.com. How about you, Don? I am at the Dawn of Beer on Twitter and Instagram, and people can drop me an email at dawn at thedawnofbeer.com. This show is produced by All About Beer. Visit allaboutbeer.com for articles, notes on this show and others, and to connect via the newsletter and social media. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.